Hey, this is Steve Balton, and you are tuned into My Turning Point, where this week I am really psyched to be joined by Motley Crue drummer Tommy Lee. I've known Tommy for a lot of years, and this was a really fun conversation talking about the Crew reunion, his new solo work, Andro, opening for Ozzy Osbourne with Motley Crue back in the 80s, and much more. So hope you enjoy this one as much as we did. You know, if you had to pick one sort of turning point moment in your life that led you to, you know, being where you are today, what would you pick? Wow, dude, that's fucking loaded. There's, you know, it's fucking crazy. It's just, it's actually it's a tough choice because I feel like there's been so many turning points. Um, it's kind of crazy just to pick one, but uh, I, you know, I'm gonna say one of them would be was when Motley started opening up for Ozzy Osbourne on the Bark of the Moon tour. I mean, that's that's when I mean. Not a whole lot of people knew who we were, and, you know, we were out there every night just fucking bringing it um, as hard as we we could, and that was like a huge turning point, and, uh, you know, a a blessing, and and just all kinds of crazy shit happened from then. Um, That's when Motley, you know, honestly, like, Ozzy, I feel like Ozzy gave us that it was that huge turning point where shit just fucking took off. I mean, he gave us the opportunity to play in front of fucking 15,000 people every single night. And people liked what we did and it just fucking blew up into this thing called Motley Crue. And so for me, that was huge, dude. That's massive. And, and, and you know what? And I have to mention the second one because it's also huge. And that's, that was in 2000 when uh, I, I, you know, broke away from something I fucking absolutely loved and uh, and just needed a fucking massive change and another another breaking point or turning point. And that was fucking doing Methods of Mayhem, you know, just being my own creative entity and, like, doing whatever the fuck I wanted to do. There was this freedom that comes with that and that also um is was a you know a major uh turning point i figured i'd share that too because those two are those two are fucking big ones and of course your fucking kids being born and i mean the list goes on and on dude jesus okay at that show that you were at in long beach i this I, i'll never forget this fucking stay with me here um Okay, you have to just, you have to remember, I fucking failed my senior year of high school. I'm like, fuck that. We got a recording contract with Motley. I'm like, fuck the diploma. I'm out. And I just, I remember my parents saying, dude, you got three months left of your senior year. Jesus, just please graduate. What if this music thing doesn't work out? I'm like, oh, it's going to fucking work out. And. And I remember them just, you know, they were so disappointed, dude. My my parents were like, oh, my God, he just, you know, what's he doing? What the fuck is he doing? And and I just, you know, so that night, that, that we're talking about that concert, the fucking house lights came on, you know, the, the, the big blinders that light up the whole crowd. I, I look out to the fucking soundboard, and I see my mom and dad, and they were tripping the balls, dude. They were looking 
walking around the arena and all the fucking hands in the air and the fucking lighters and people going crazy. And I will, I'll never forget this, looking out, and I saw the look on my mom and dad looking around, and they kind of both looked each other, at each other, and they, they didn't say it, but I could see in their eyes, they were like, fuck, he said he got it, I, I guess he's got it. Remember, like, you know, I was telling them, I got this shit. It's going to work out. And that that moment for me, like, cemented everything. It was like, you know, when you get your parents' approval, and they're looking around going, fuck, he said he got it. He fucking got it. What the fuck is going on here? Now, dude, by the way, this is funny. So you started working on this record two years ago. Did I read that right? Yes, two years ago, man. It's finally done and coming out. Fuck. But what's interesting about that is it's funny because, you know, so first of all, look, when you, no way that of course anyone could have anticipated all this coming down. But when you started working on it, did you, did you know that there was going to be a crew reunion as well or no? I had no, I had no idea. Um, God, I didn't, had no idea. Um, When, when the Motley tour finished, it was like New Year's Eve, 2016, I was like, I'm taking a year off. I'm not doing shit for a year. Like, I don't want to do anything musical. I just want to like, I want to go, I want to stay home and actually enjoy my home that I'm never at ever. (laughs) I'm always gone. (laughs) So I'm just going to, I'm going to just trip out, stay home, float around in the pool, fucking drink a lot, like, and just do nothing. Like zero and barbecue and I did that. And I remember my friends going, dude, there's no way you're going to sit around for a year and not do music or do anything like that. I was like, watch me. And I did. I pulled it off. And then, um, you know, a little over, you know, a year and a half or so later, I start, you know, here it goes, all the ideas. And like, it just started coming down to the studio and start putting ideas down. And before you know it, um, I was two years into a pro into this project that turned into a fucking amazing body of work, man. Uh, I don't know how much you know about the male side and the female side of the record. And it is- I, I know I've heard a couple of songs, you know, the singles, you yeah. know, and obviously it's funny because I'm, I'm friends with Joel dead mouse. And so he and you oh, and I cool. have, like, we've all hung out. You know, and I love that dude. So it's like, I'm very familiar with your electronic stuff and where that side comes in. So, but it's interesting because I want to go back to something you just said for a second about taking the year off because it's really cool because my second time I left Rolling Stone, I was kind of in a similar situation. I I had written for like three years under contract and I was just fucking burnt. I didn't want to do anything. And what I found was after taking about six months off though, it made me develop like a new appreciation for writing. And it was like, cause I was doing it on my terms. Did you find once you started making Andro that it was something you really enjoyed much more because it wasn't to anybody else's schedule and it wasn't expected. It's, it, totally. I knew like the Motley tour is over. We're never playing again. This was just like a free for all. Like um, it was just, I was just, writing to write. I was just for the love. Right. And, um, I, I actually wasn't even working on like an album. I had no intentions. You know, I was just like, I'm just going to make some music because, um, you know, I, I write music for other people. I do remixes for other people, um, play drums on other people's records. Uh, 
And I don't know, man, I've just, I'm, I always got ideas. So I came down here and I just having a fucking blast. So, um, I love that when a blast turns into an actual thing, you know, like I think that when it organically happens that way and you're not like, I'm going to sit down and write a record, you know, that's when yeah. it gets, that's when it gets good. And you know, right. Like when you, when you took your, you know, break and like all of a sudden you're like, now you're like doing stuff that you want to do just cause you like doing it. Yeah, it's funny how it like comes back. Literally, what happened was I'll just give you the quick update because we don't have that much time, and you know people are way more interested in you than me. But it's funny. Golden Voice are good friends, and they gave me all access passes for Coachella. They're like, you don't even have to work. You're good to us. Just come hang out. And I was like, I can't be backstage and not do interviews. I'm like, that's too weird. Like I, I don't know. I'm like, I don't know what to do with myself. So I just hit up Billboard and was like, I'll do like four or five interviews just for you guys for this because I have the all access. That's what got me going. It's funny though, how you need that thing to sort of jumpstart you. But it's interesting. So when did you know that Andrew was, Andrew was going to become an album? At what point did you realize that it went from being a, because usually in the writing process, there'll be one or two songs that kind of really jumpstart, you know, a project. Yeah. Um, I didn't really, I really think about it until... Until I had like, I was like, shit, man, there's like 15 songs here. Fuck. And it started to feel like something. Um, and then um, I was telling somebody earlier, like, I started, you know, in my mind started thinking, fuck, man, this could be this really dope record just because of what's happening here is I started sequencing it, listening down to like, the way I think it sounds cool, like the vibe, right? And then it just, it, it was kind of like, it was a little all over the place, which I like, you know, eclectically, you know, style-wise, I like that going from track to track to track. There's nothing fucking worse than hearing a record that sounds the same from the first track to the last track. I hate that shit. So I'm listening to it and it's still not quite jiving with me and I went, Hold up a second. There's just as many male energetic so songs on this record as there are female. Why don't I just put them in their own space, right? And, dude, as soon as I did that, I freaked out. I was like, oh, man, this really works because this is all this kind of vibe, right? It's, you know, um, uh, you know, uh, you know, it's got its male energy, that thing, you know, that testosterone, that energy, that like, I don't know, it's just, it's like that. And then the female side has that same energy because there's some fucking aggressive female, there's South African rapper, there's some beautiful stuff on the, the, I mean, it's eclectically really cool from track to track also, but it had it, but it was in its own female space along with the other other girls, right? And as soon as I split them apart, I was like, that's it. And I don't think anybody's ever done that with the record. If, if there is, I apologize, but I don't think that's been done. And I get really stoked when I get really stoked about doing shit. Hopefully nobody's ever done before. <laughs> Well, you know, it's such an interesting thing, too, because like I said, you could have never anticipated, of course, this coming. Well, I, let me rephrase it. Certain intelligent politicians predicted this coming, and then certain idiot politicians, you know, ignored <laughs> it. But, you know, the intelligent one, you know, did, but no one knew exactly what form 
or when or things of that nature. So it's such an interesting thing to make music and finish music during this time. You know, and of course now it's so funny when you think back to like, I want to spend a year just floating around in the pool, drinking, hanging out, having fun. And now it's like, that's all you can do and you have no alternative. (laughs) Isn't that crazy? Like, um, you know, you know, here you are doing, I mean, after the Motley tour, I was doing my own fucking quarantine. Um, yeah. Right. And now it's turned into like, whoa, dude, this shit's real. Um, uh, you but know, for you talk about how, you know, having just finished the record and stuff, yeah. how this stuff that is influencing it. And obviously it's really interesting because you guys were supposed to be on this massive stadium tour, you know? And so now of course you're going to have Andro out. And I assume that hopefully, fingers crossed, at some point in 2021, I mean, you know, it's funny, I was talking with Serge Tankian from System, who's a friend, and it's, you know, they had like a couple shows at Bank of California, and they're like, we're not doing big shows in 2020. He's like, we haven't officially said it on the record because, you know, we don't want to say it, but he's like, I just assume that, you know, the big shows can't happen until 2021. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's kind of looking how things are going. Um, we're we're still reassessing if it, the possibilities of moving the tour back a month till July um, is a possibility. I don't know. I don't, I, I really feel like nobody knows. I mean, everything's so like up in the air with all that. Um, I, I got, but, but it's interesting for you. Well, the reason I bring it up, and you're right, no one knows and no clue. And it's like, look, I mean, they rescheduled. They got every single Coachella act to move to October. And then it's like, Coachella is not happening in October because people are still too afraid to go. Yeah, you know? I know. I know. So that's, I know. But what's interesting about it for you then is you're now going to have this such a fertile period of, you know, musically of having Motley out on the road, presumably in 2021, fingers crossed. Yeah. And also being able, now, have you thought, because you have so many different vocalists on this, have you given ideas to how you want to do Andrew live. And it's also interesting because I mentioned Joel earlier and being friends with him. And obviously, you know, you're tight with him watching some of the DJs you've been able to watch and producers. It does give you, I'm sure, ideas as to how to recreate stuff live when you can't get, you know, 10 or 12 vocalists to come out with you. Yes. You know, that that's a really good idea because I learned my lesson uh, when I first did the, the Methods record. And although it was fucking amazing and fun and we ended up going to do some shows man is it ever you know when you got that many <laughs> collaborators i'm trying to get snoop dog fucking uh you got from wu-tang kid rock little kid i'm trying to get all these people to go do a tour dude that's nearly impossible so i learned my lesson there um uh where my thoughts of doing something like that now without booking a whole tour is maybe just getting everybody to commit to, let's say, fuck, maybe six or seven major cities, maybe getting people to commit to two weeks and go blast those that do the major cities and that's it. Um, or you know what, possibly creating something live because pretty much everybody, uh, mostly everybody that is on andro is is from here so that maybe i could do something live uh here or from you know from a sound stage so yeah i'm trust me i'm sitting here thinking of like what a a cool way to do it because watching 
I mean, let's just let's just be honest here. Watching somebody behind a couple turntables with no audience and no vibe or lights, even though people are green screening and making it as cool as they can. That is one live music is one, is an indoor sport, man. Like it needs fucking energy and the crowd and like the, it just, and the sounds got to be knocking you on your ass. It needs that. So I'm, I'm trying to figure out how to accomplish that in this scenario. I'll figure it out. It's just going to take a minute. Well, you know what's really fascinating about it, though, is it's funny because, look, I mean, they're, they're exploring so many ideas. And there's a, a company in Ventura that just announced, like, the first series of drive-in concerts. and uh, Movie theaters, right? Yeah. No, they're doing it at Ventura Fairgrounds. They're going to do it where they do the Ventura Fair. And oh. what's interesting about it, though, is what's cool is, look, Motley cannot do something of that size. There would be a riot for tickets, right? Right. You know? But... You know, it's funny. You could end up touring Andro before Motley because it, what I think, you know, what's going to happen is, look, I always go back to, I get to talk to Joe Perry, right? I'm sure you've known Joe for years. Yeah, And yeah. we talked to him. I love that dude. And he was talking about, he's like, look, when I do Aerosmith, he's like, it's a machine. Like it takes a whole army to move it. Yeah. But when I do Hollywood vampires, even though there are big people in there, he's like, we're all friends. We could just fly and do a show on a moment's notice. Yeah. You know? And yeah. so, look, Motley is not going to do, I mean, it's going to be big. There's no way around it being big, you know? But for Andro, I feel like, you know, artists right now who are on smaller scale have more flexibility because you can do either live stream shit or you can do drive-ins or you can do, I feel like smaller shows will come back first at, at smaller capacity because, look, people are going to feel more comfortable going to a show with 100 people than going to a show with 60,000. Yeah, right, right. I know, man. Yeah. So, and again, I, I say this just based on my feel. I don't know shit any more than anybody else, but <laughs> it just does seem like there's a lot of logic to like, you get, you know, cause the drive-in concerts, that stuff that is already being announced and being done. Yeah. You know, I saw that and, um, that immediately I went, fuck, that's genius. Everyone can stay in their car that you can, you know, and, and, and you know, avoid the little shitty clip on speaker that goes in your window <laughs> um, but, but, you know, just do sound properly and everybody's in their car rocking out. Um, and hopefully they bring an SUV so there's room to fucking rock out. Um, uh, I don't know. There's a, there's something, there's something there. When I saw that, I'm like, that's a good idea. Well, you know, it's interesting for you. I mean, talk about when you imagine that eventually you'll get to the point, no matter what, whether it's this year or next year, you will get to the point of doing this record live. When you start yeah. to think about doing this stuff live, whether it's in six cities or whatever, are there tracks that you are particularly excited? To? And I suck with titles, by the way, because I just listened to everything all the way through. So I listened to both tracks yeah. and the second track, which, you know, had a much, was definitely the male aggressive energy, had that like old ministry industrial nine inch nails you know, sound like that's when obviously it's funny. You talk about needing that. Like I was just joking with a friend last night in Toronto about missing mosh pits. Oh, like yeah. you hear that's you know, and it's like, but I feel like people when they can go back are just going to want to lose their shit. Dude. Can you imagine? I was, I was talking to Nikki about this. I said, I said, dude, can you imagine this is going to be fucking priceless when it goes down all the pent up aggression and, and ha 
happiness and frustration and joy and all, all those emotions that day when it becomes cool, okay. And safe for everybody to get together, dude, I want to be on stage for that. Cause mark my word, that is going to be something we'll never ever see again in our lifetime. Well, it's interesting. I'm going to flip it on you. For yeah. you as a fan, if you were going to get to be in the audience, if you were going to get to be a fan, who would be the artist or band that you would want to see on stage? Oh, boy. Uh, fuck. Something, something that's beautiful visually, something that's aggressive that I could get my fucking bang my head to. Um, God, who would that be? Uh, we. Oh man! It, you know what? It wouldn't be possible with one artist. It would have to be a festival with those. You know, something different. Uh, so, who, who, who are, the, who are the three? Three artists. Give me three artists <laughs> that would be on the festival. And it's oh so funny because just as a music geek, I geek out on this stuff. I actually did this as an article for Forbes where you should go check it. It's funny. I was like, oh, you can have Led Zeppelin and Rage Against the Machine. Or you could have like Foo Fighters and Aerosmith and Guns N' Roses, you know, all these different things. Because I agree with you. It's like when you have a celebration of that size, Woo! that's like live. Yeah, that's like live aid type shit. But Dude. who are three? Just give me three, you know. Three? First that come to mind. Jesus Christ. Fuck, dude, you're putting me on the spot. That's 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 big. Um, well, fucking Motley, of course. Okay. Uh, uh, let's see. Um, fuck, Rage would be awesome. And uh, God, who else would be fucking amazing? So fun. I'm as a fan. When you say something that's both, you know, aggressive and beautiful visually. To me, I think Nine Inch Nails because they're kind of masters of that. Dude, I almost said Nine Inch Nails. So yeah, let's go with that because they, uh, Trent definitely brings it when it comes to production. Yeah, from the, from the visual. Your head. Yeah, hell yeah. There you go. That, that'll do it. And it's so interesting for you. I mean, talk about the, you know, I've talked about, it's funny, I've talked about this a lot with members of the E Street Band, right? And it's like, you know, because Springsteen will do his thing for years. And then come back and do these stadium tours. And it's like, so you have guys like, you know, Clarence Clemens, or not Clarence anymore, unfortunately passed away, Jake. And you have Nils Lofgren, Steve Van Zandt. They all do their own shit. Yeah. And it's kind of, they've talked about having the best of both worlds. And do you feel like you're in that place right now where it's like, I can go and make the solo shit I want to do. I can work with anybody I want to work with. But then also I get the joy of playing with my buddies and doing this massive stadium thing with Motley. So it really does seem like you're in kind of the best of both places right now, musically. I, I really feel like that. And I am. And I, I pinch myself on a daily basis, bro. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, yeah. Fuck. Get to go do it all. You know? Um, yeah. Yeah. Fuck. Yes. But it, it's interesting for you. I think also too, it's funny. I've talked about this with so many people and you and I have talked about this over the years as well. And it's like, you know, and especially I think it's an interesting thing right now because with all the stuff that everybody's dealing with, you know, it's really changing attitudes on things. And, you know, look, you go back, you know, I saw the film The Dirt. You and I have talked so many times over the years. So much crazy shit. Do you feel like you have a much greater appreciation for the situation you're in now? 
because it's like, look, I mean, I, I, it's funny, like I'm friends with Slash and Duff and I've talked about, you know, half the times you guys don't even know that you're going to make it to this point. And when you do get there, there is this appreciation of like, okay, you've come out on the other side and coming out on the other side, look, now we're kind of living the best, you know, getting the best of everything. Dude, I, I, I trip out on that a lot. <clears throat> and I think a lot of it hit me when, you know, we all got together and talked about doing a stadium tour. And I was like, fuck, we just, we decided that that was it. We're not doing this again. We're going to go out on top and be like, peace out. This is it. We're done. We don't, we're not interested in prolonging or hanging on to something that could potentially at some point, you know, start you know, dwindling down into like playing fairgrounds and fucking just, you know, just we wanted to go out on top and be like, that's it. Thank you. Good night. Mic drop. Boom. We're out. Um, and so having a conversation about going to, to do stadiums, what was what's that? Four, four years later. Wait, hold on a second. 16, 17, 18, 19, 20. Four years later, I was like, well, fuck, we've never really done just a stadium tour. And then we all decided, fuck it, let's go. That's something we haven't done. And then, dude, when all the fucking stadiums fucking sold out, I was like, wait a second. This is, this is insane. I was surprised. I didn't really know what to expect. But that really fucking freaked me out and made me really, really grateful. Um, and I, I know the movie inspired, uh, you know, a lot of that and, and, and new fans and this resurgence. And then to see these 40, 60,000 seat stadiums blow out of the water, sold out is like, holy fuck. Literally, dude, I was doing fucking backflips around my house going, fuck. I get to go do this again because I mean I'm I'm still young I'm not done by no means so yeah to answer your question fuck I am one grateful motherfucker man because I get to do it all I'm curious we won't see how much longer but I am curious what was your first stadium show do you remember the first show you saw as a fan because there is something different about that it's it's you know when you see it on that size and yes. that's you know feeling the the very first. Uh, uh, did you say stadium? Yeah. Okay. Very first stadium show was Cal Jam. Remember that? Uh, yeah, that's awesome. That I, was I wasn't old enough to go, but yes. <clears throat> yeah, that was Cal Jam. The first um, one or the second one? Ooh, you know what? It, it may have been. It may have been two. Didn't Van Halen fucking parachute in? Well, supposedly stunt parachutists. <laughs> I th I'm thinking that was it. Maybe it was two. And then, of course, the most mind-blowing one was the Us Festival, but we were playing at that. But to see 200-and-something thousand people all in one place and not being able to see where the crowd ended, fuck, you're just like, where does it end? It's just like, it's the most insane thing that I've ever seen. So... How rad would that be to come back and do a big ass show like that where like 
everybody. This is where everybody comes. This is the first event back. I want to be on that. Yeah. I was at the US Festival. That was an amazing experience. It's such a forgotten festival, too. I mean, when you look at how influential that festival was, man, Bowie's yeah. first show in five years, that was the show that made that was the show that made you two famous. But yep. I, yeah, we could we could geek out on this stuff all day. Tell me yeah. about the collaborators on Andro, just because I don't want to shortchange, you know, I mean, the people that you worked with. And and you know, and it's funny because like I, I've mentioned Joel a few times, and it's like I think it's that thing of like Look, one of the things that you and I have talked about is being able to be influenced by so many and be around so many different talented people. So for you, you know, when you're making a record like this, you know, talk about the fact getting to go back and explore that electronic side again, but it's not just electronic. There's rock, there's hard rock, there's again, there's, like I said, the one track of the two tracks I heard, the, the male side was hardcore industrial. Yeah, that, that one's gnarly. Um, well, with the collaborations, um, you know, I, I'm I'm always looking to turn people onto some new shit, um, whether it be you know genre-wise or stylistically, and also um, artists. A, a, a lot of the collaboration, the collaborators on the record are people that I've found that I'm like, oh my god, this person! How the fuck do people not know about this person? Um, Kilvane, I saw him on doing his own shit. Like on, I heard him on SoundCloud, and then saw some videos that he made on on YouTube that he posted. Uh, Push Push, uh, which is the the the, the, the first single, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I've been a fan of hers just in my electronic side of my world. I've listened to her stuff for a while and she's just on my list. I got a list of collaborate people that I, my, my sort of dream list of people I've always wanted to work with. And she was, she's been on that list for a while and come to find out, um, you know, I sent her, uh, I sent her this track that I thought that had her name written all over it and she heard it and was like i'm there she was here a day later um it's been like that for the whole record um i went back to an old friend lucas rossi who i think has a fucking amazing voice uh we did a prince cover that's insane what's up uh, uh it's called when you were mine the prince song Okay. I, I, I don't know if you remember, but it was like when oh, you yeah. were mine, and it's it's quite fast and kind of kind of boppy. We slowed it down and made it fucking gore. It's it's beautiful, man. It's it's a goose bumper for sure. Nice. Um, uh, let's see who else. Uh, Julia, this the singer from a, a group called Playa. <sighs> Unbelievable voice. And there's one where I I heard. Um, one of their tracks that just stuck out and I grabbed my fucking Shazam and was like, who is this? Reached out to her. God bless the, the fucking internet and social media. And she was like, oh my God, Tommy Lee, I would love to work with you. And, um, uh, and, well, we could do it later, but I have a very interesting once in a lifetime story about that collaboration. Um, uh, that was just I, to this day, and it'll probably never happen again. But and I, I can tell you about it if you like. But, yeah. Um, okay. I got two two songs that have her name all over them, so I send her both. 
she picks she picks the one I, I thought she would probably pick because it was just perfect for her voice. Okay, so she comes over and I said, would you like to hear what, you know, what, uh, what melodies and stuff? I took an acapella from something completely different and I kind of chopped it in and Frankensteined it to what melodically I was hearing in my head for the track. And she goes, no, I, I, I don't want to hear it. And I was like, Okay, fair enough. I get that. She doesn't want to be influenced by something else. She goes into the fucking control room and we start going at it. And as we're going at it, I'm sitting there and I'm like, what the fuck? How did, there's no way she heard my version. I, cause I sent her one with no vocals on it. No, nothing. There's no way she heard it. This is about, she's singing exactly what I had in my mind, what I had edited together uh, as a melodic line and phrasing and everything in it. And I'm sitting there just like, I, I can't wait to, to tell her. So anyway, we finish the track. She, she, she comes into the control room. We listen back. I'm giving her a fucking giant hug. I'm like, oh my God, you murdered this. This is beautiful. I said, you have to hear my original version. Can I play it for you? She's like, yeah, I want to hear it now. We put it on and it is almost identical to what she sang. And she sat there speechless. She was like, whoa, dude. And I've met, that's never happened to me in my entire musical life where somebody went in there having no clue about what was in my head and sang exactly, like 99% of exactly what it was I was hearing. And I almost started crying. I was like, this is not possible. And if it is, how is this happening? Um, That's so cool. It's so funny. I mean, when you have that kind of connection with someone musically, does it make you think like, okay, shit, we got to do a whole album together? (laughs) I, I know. Yeah, you start to think that. Because if we're on that, if we're communicating and resonating on that same frequency we should be doing more shit together for sure um yeah I, it, it it did do that and unfortunately that was the last uh the last track on the record that i had for her although um during this quarantine time i just called my manager and i'm like rick you know what i've been writing dude and i've got like another sick i got like almost another record together and he's like can we just get this fucking thing out first? <laughs> All right, so, so last two questions, then I'll let you jump. But I, I mean, yeah. for one thing, I think, you know, because of the fact it's interesting, like you say, you don't know of anybody having done the male-female side before. You know, and I can't think of it. I don't know if it's been done either or not, but it's interesting because it takes on two very different sides of the record. You know, when people hear this record from start to finish, what do you hope they take from it? Because coming in both sides does make it very different. Yes. Um, I hope they get the same experience I got out of it, you know, depending on what mood you're in. You know, if you're wanting to hear the dudes, you know, the, the, that, that male energy, uh, you know, here it is for you. If you're feeling, you know, like you want to hear, you know, the female energy, here it is for you. Or you can just bop back and forth you know with the tracks if you like it that way i just 
I just separated it because it just, I don't know, it just felt right. And, um, you know, I hope I, and when I listen to it, it just feels like, it feels like two different experiences in one record. So, and I don't, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, wow, I feel like I just heard two records and essentially you kind of are. You know? Well, what's interesting about that is, you know, it's funny. I was talking about this with Surge recently. I'm a huge Moby fan. Love oh, Moby. Oh, me too. And, me too. And that first, that first Moby album, Everything Is Wrong, is like a perfect record. Or Cascade is a friend, right? And he did that Fire and Ice, but it's not from the male-female, but it's just kind of that mix of, you know, the ambient and whatever. So for you, are there records that you look at as sort of benchmarks or things that influence you in terms of that feeling of being able to take you through such a journey. I mean, Nine Inch Nails is good at it too. There's a few different yeah. artists. Too. But the male, female, I don't know about, but there's the, just those artists who you should even, you go back to Zeppelin, dude. And it's like, you know, they could do, you know, freaking In My Time of Dying and then do a yeah. song as beautiful as That's the Way. I, I know. I, I'm a fan of that. I really like that. Like, I, I, So I for I you, like, give me one or two albums that you think are just like, when you think of the, that benchmark that take you on that total journey. I think, well, Physical Graffiti was one of probably one of the first records that did that to me i was just like what and what is going on here um that one and uh who else did that this is gonna sound weird and, and maybe dated but i also felt like that was that uh what was the name of the of the record the first steely dan record oh asia no 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 Hold on. Let me look. Steely Dan is one of my favorite bands of all time, but I can't tell you what their first album was. Like, I don't know the whole discography, so let's see. Yeah, and I, just, I mean, yeah, they were, oh, dude, one of my favorite bands of all time. I remember so, he hearing that going, sonically, the record's crazy. Beautiful. Can't Buy a Thrill is the first one. Okay, what's the second one? Countdown to Ecstasy. Asia is a brilliant album for that. That one came out in 77. It came out a little later. That, that sounds like the record I'm thinking of. Yeah, that's the one with, uh, hold on, let me see, because now I'm just curious, dude, but I mean, yeah, I'm such yeah. a fan. Like, it <laughs> is, that's the one with, yeah, like Asia, Deacon Blues, uh, Peg. Yeah, that's the one. I just feel like that one just took me on, on, uh, on, a, on a cool little journey. It just, you know, it just didn't sound the same from track to track. I love those kind of records, man. All right, so last question is funny. I've been asking everybody this for Forbes because I'll just geek out on these roundup questions all the time. <laughs> I love like, it. I just did, like, for me, I just geek. These are the things I geek out on, right? And the one I've been doing lately because I've been like, you know, I think because of my age, whatever, like big 70s fan. So for you, the best 70s song of all time. And it's funny, I say this with the caveat. I know it's a freaking, like, I don't know that I can answer that question, but it's like, what's your favorite 70s song? Oh my God, dude. Um, I, like I said, I, I don't know that I can answer it either. Fuck. It's, it's funny. The answers have covered like a wide, like Perry Farrell, I just spoke with and he picked Ziggy Stardust because of a personal connection to the song. He's like, that was the first time that I knew I could really sing, you know? But I oh. mean, for me, it's like, I, I listen to a 70s play and I'm literally walking around, walking my dog, listening to Barry Manilow and the Ramones and Chic. And it's like, <laughs> to me, like, I love that diversity of that era. And that's why I kind of geek out on it so much. So, yeah. so just gut, you know, I mean, gut answer. Is there one that just the first one that comes into your mind? Fuck. It was Aerosmith in the 70s? Yeah. Okay. Well, Aerosmith rocks. 
for some reason, I could not stop playing over and fucking over. I wore the thing out. Is there one song off that record, though? Yes. I'm such a cowbell guy. Uh, back in the Saddle. Nice. Was one of my favorite. Is it back in the saddle or? Oh, last child. Yeah, last child. I'm a last I mean, the whole record child. is great, but yeah. Oh yeah, so dope, dude. So dope. Cool. What do you want to add? I did not ask you about. Because I'm gonna go uh, off my dog now. He's been sitting here patiently, like, what the fuck, dude? Yeah, come on, bro. Let me out. Um. Yeah. What do I want to add? Fuck. I don't know, man. Shit. Be safe. Fucking don't let your meatloaf. Uh, <laughs> Fuck, whatever, man. I don't know, man. It's good to see your face, though. Yeah, it's, it's always great to talk to you, man. I always appreciate it. It's always so much fun. Yeah, totally. Yeah, All we right, do cool, have, have a good one. Okay, my man. Be cool. All right, hopefully I'll see you at the drive-in soon. Yeah, fuck yeah. yes. Yes. Yeah. See you, bro. <laughs> hey, this is Steve Balton. You've been tuned into My Turning Point with special guest Tommy Lee. Hope you enjoyed this interview as much as we did. Thanks. I'm golden, a textbook told me that I was disgusting Fuck a textbook, I'm revolting There are all different sizes of businesses Big business, small business, that awkward growing phase business, the running this thing from my garage business, and the OMG we can't hire fast enough business. Wherever you are in your business journey, HubSpot's powerful but easy-to-use CRM platform grows with you. It lets all of your teams work together seamlessly, whether that's just you and your roommate or colleagues across multiple time zones. Grow better with HubSpot by connecting your people, your customers, and your business. Learn more at HubSpot.com. Introducing Under Armour's Infinity High Sports Bra. Its ergonomic design is molded to support the natural movement of your body. With cord-out padding, the better breathability eliminates extra bulk without sacrificing support. And quick-dry padding is Under Armour's fastest-drying padding yet. When you're lifting heavy, running fast, and pushing yourself further than ever before, you need a bra that will help you go that extra mile and make you feel your best. Shop the Infinity High Sports Bra now at UA.com. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com 
code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points. 